Welcome to the Infinite Improvisation Podcast, Adventures in Music and Creativity. I am Steve Tressler, and joined as always by my co-host Lauren Best, who's across the border in Canada. Hey, Lauren. Hey, how are you you today? Good. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. So this is our fifth episode, fifth and final episode in our series on how, how to improvise, or even more broadly, how to come up with new new ideas, new musical ideas, new artistic ideas, and what that process is about. And we've covered experimentation, play, limitations, deep listening. And today we'll get into reflection. These are the five creative practices of infinite improvisation. So before we hit record, Lauren, you said you were reflecting on reflection. So what's, what, what, what's on your mind when it comes to reflection as a practice? I've been thinking about how part of reflection is taking time and how <laughs> like we uh, like you can't really rush reflection like you can try to rush reflection you can I think it's still beneficial to reflect even just a little bit like I think a rushed reflection is sometimes mm-hmm. better than no reflection and I think we can do really like bite-sized reflections or mm-hmm. really um there's lots of different approaches to that, but that part of reflection for me requires the taking of time and requires a, a change of, ideally a change of setting, like I, it, for me to really enter a different, a different brain space and to, um, to engage in more, you know, diffuse thinking as opposed to more, more focused thinking. And um, regardless of, where I'm directing my thoughts or what questions I'm asking myself, that there's kind of like these other conditions for reflection um, that I personally find helpful. (laughs) And, um, And thinking about whether just like how we build these into our lives or don't in other Mm -hmm. ways. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. When we're reflecting or doing something that involves more lateral thinking or making different connections, that is something that can be hard to just grind out and, and rush. And largely I think of this as a process that, that, that is separate from the actual creation process. It's very interrelated, but when we're reflecting, it may not be in the moment that we're creating. Uh, And there's a great quote. It's from Sister Corita Kent. It's often attributed to John Cage, who quoted it all the time, but it's Sister Corita Kent's 10 Rules for Teachers and Students, which is don't try to create and analyze at the same time. They're different processes, which is interesting to think about. And we've talked about kind of when we're in in the moment and trying to be focused on what we're creating and, and letting it be this kind of reflection when we're reflecting on our work, other types of reflection as well, that, yeah, it is a, it is a process. that's a little bit that can be removed from the act of creating something. Mm. Yeah. And, and to like further to that, that create as the reflection is not the same as just like listening. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, like listening or absorbing, like kind of taking in something because sometimes like it's like oh I'm not creating mm-hmm. but I'm kind of listening and taking in like I, for me that can be a part of reflection but that a part of reflection um is is a bit, is sort of has this this internal aspect and so it's sort of separated from 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 listening mm-hmm. and the reflection can just be ob- observing our own reactions to things so we'll be talking about the process of reflection on work we've created and and listening or observing back but also we can just even reflect on on art that's that really resonates with us and really meaningful experiences and things that uh that were really were where things were really working where things weren't 
what what is meaningful and what's not and and those kind of those kind of elements that help more on the strategy side of like where are we where are we going next what project do we want to take on next or what do we want to eliminate from our from our from our pile of projects we have so there's that mm. that type of that type of reflection mm. or even what we want to eliminate from our focus mm-hmm. in the moment right like how we can't necessarily focus on everything at once or mm-hmm. like in in our listening or our viewing or our like there is we can sort of try to take in everything at once, right? But mm-hmm. but oftentimes we're like drawing our our attention and our f- reflection more deeply into one thing, which means less into other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we are performing, there's certainly it's a skill to learn how to know how to channel your focus into the right place at, at the right time. If we just kind of mm-hmm. let our focus go to whatever happens to catch its attention, sometimes it's sometimes our th- Thoughts won't always go to the most helpful place of performing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look who just walked in the door, or oh, this went better last time. Like, oh, you know, just having mm-hmm. that that process of reflection can even help us be like, okay, well, what what are the things to focus on during this activity that will that will give the best best results? And one one area I wanted to touch on is the idea of reflecting on uh, our own work, especially if we have created something we have maybe recorded a practice session or maybe a more formal performing uh, recording session or performance and then listening back and reflecting in a way that becomes helpful for the process and not beating ourselves up over it which we can have a tendency to do this listening mm. on edge and being like oh no I hope I don't mess up oh that sounded bad oh that sounded worse well, uh, you know we can get into that very hypercritical mode of listening or reflecting which isn't which isn't that which isn't that helpful uh so I have, yeah, I have a list of actually some reflection questions that can be helpful when when listening back or reflecting back on on your on your work. Um, I'll go go through a, f- a few of these. So this can be right after you know if you had a, a session, you can listen and reflect right after. I like to l- let some time pass. Like if I have a recording session, I want to listen back to what take of a piece to use. I'll want a couple weeks to pass so I won't remember how I'm feeling, how I felt about it then, because sometimes my reactions later on can be different. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you feel before, during, and after the session? When was the music most compelling and why? Again, these, these are music focused, but you can adapt them for any other medium. When was the music not effective? Why? What surprised you? And what part of the process was challenging? Hmm. What patterns emerged? What changes would you make, or what changes would make the music better? And did you discover any material you'd like to explore in the future? How has your artistry improved over time? And what did you learn from the experience? So that's a lot of them to to, th- to throw out there. But you're very fo- focused on something specific about like how have you improved over time rather than going, oh no, where did I make a mistake or where was I not perfect? You know, some of these mm-hmm. directing our reflection to our work to the right questions um, can help us break out of um, hypercritical mode. Maybe some mm-hmm. of our listeners don't experience that, but a lot of people, yeah, <laughs> run, run into that where or like avoid listening or reflecting because you don't, Sometimes the concert felt like it was really fun, but you don't want to listen back to it because, oh, maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was. And, hmm. you know, you can get into that that headspace. Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned 
what was challenging about the process mm-hmm. which which you also mentioned the idea of waiting a little bit before listening yeah. so i guess ideally you might not remember what was challenging about the process mm. but when you listen back it also has a funny way of sometimes like triggering those memories or mm-hmm. like you you know you may then have a different perspective but i thought to myself like what was challenging about the process of listening to it mm. <laughs> or about like kind of approaching it or reflecting upon it or even instead of what was challenging like i even just how did you feel or what did you notice mm. in yourself um as you're listening and so like what did you notice in your thoughts and the contents of your thoughts so you can reflect reflect on the reflection yeah like what did you notice in your thoughts what did you notice in kind of the maybe like feelings that may not have had like specific thoughts associated but also like did you feel that anywhere in your body um like often i will have like really physical sensations when i'm when i'm feeling in especially if i'm feeling critical of myself listening back to something Hmm. wow and then you can reflect on that process it's like that dr seuss book with the bee watcher with the be watcher, 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 mm-hmm. whole whole line of them. But uh, well, it's really true. Uh, yeah. Like you can play back the same mm-hmm. short clip, mm-hmm. and you can kind of um, like separate out the different like intake channels that you have, mm-hmm. right? So like, what do you just see? Even if you like turn off the audio, but with mm-hmm. audio on is helpful in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are your eyes taking in? Trying to like really focus on that information and like separating that from what your ears are taking in. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, yeah. absolutely. And I was noticing sometimes when I was list, like listening back to a recording of myself, and I was getting into critical mode. I was like at my computer and kind of tense and listening and kind of scanning for like defensively listening, which which isn't good. But then I was realizing yeah. when I actually listen to music for enjoyment, I'm usually like taking a walk or driving. So I started re- like mm-hmm. listening back to recordings while taking a walk, and suddenly I could just feel the flow of the music better, and it got me mm-hmm. out of just being like sedentary and tense, and just take a walk and listen. And that's how I was reviewing mixes from some of my records. I couldn't hear everything. As, like when I was listening through, even through decent headphones, taking a walk, it's not the best way to he- maybe hear the quality of the mix, mm. but I could hear the, it just allowed me to hear the music better. So knowing the right space for listening and reflecting can be helpful too. And for me, it's, yeah, it's often outside. I, I like that. I find, I love taking things outside, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that. What are your thoughts on like having another person present while you're reflecting Maybe not even the first time, but mm. like kind of like adding the layer of another observer or another reflector. And I say that both in terms of like one getting someone else's feedback, obviously, mm-hmm. is one sense of it. But even even aside from the, the content of their feedback or their opinion, right, just like having having someone where it's more of a dialogue um, and also just like being seen right like mm. even that if that person doesn't give any opinion um i find it's sometimes a different experience kind of having like that degree of visibility even if it's mm. just only one other person it often feels a bit different and it, i find sometimes for myself it can be like really challenging in those moments depending on the person and depending on the nature of what i'm sharing and depending that's felt different at different times in my life mm. um but sometimes it can be helpful so like we kind of stick with it and to kind of like witness that what what do you think Mm. absolutely it does feel different when someone's there just like if you're playing music by yourself or performing for one person the the dynamic and the feel the feel of it can be different and i don't do that often enough often it might be with like people i'm collaborating with we recorded hey let's listen back to that take and 
you know, often still in the studio. But I can't think of a time where I've brought someone else into that process. What that be like? That would be an interesting thing to experiment with, for sure. But it does want one that one thing that came up is when I did that project. One of the, one of my projects with Ingrid Jensen, Invisible Sounds. We were filmed by this whole NPR crew and did an interview and a live performance at the Royal Room for Jazz Night in America, and it was a it was a big deal. And I was self-conscious about it, but I hadn't seen the video. There was like a live premiere and I was supposed to be there in the chat. So I was seeing it for the first time. I had heard some of the recording and I was kind of in defensive, like listening, oh, Mo, but I was supposed to be there monitoring the chat. But then I was getting like so many good vibes from people and messages from people all over the world and Ingrid hmm. was there and we're talking and it was like, it ended up feeling, it was a it was a much better way to consume it because there were a lot, I mean, it was very public, so. Mm. Be like, oh, that that didn't work. Let me let me bury that and record it again. It's like, no, it's done. It's already there. It's already produced. Um, yeah, and it was a very public way of of doing that, and um, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it can be very intense that way when yeah. you're having like your own reactions, which may seem like um, count mm-hmm. counter to or like contrary to to mm-hmm. feedback, even mm-hmm. um, or hopefully hopefully it's in the same vein. But you know, it's um like kind of making space for both and kind of honoring other people's experiences who are like having their own relationship with Mm -hmm. that music right away as opposed to like it totally being centered on your own experience because you're editing it or you're gatekeeping it and it's like you kind of become this like black hole of creator and destroyer right like it's like it's all about only your thoughts Mm -hmm. about that piece like once it's out there even more broadly it's a very different feeling right because Mm -hmm. other people are developing their own relationship to that yeah and there's, yeah, there's this art to being detached about it. It's always something I'm working on myself that we're detached. This is very, you know, for some, lots of us, we're devoting our lives or a good chunk of our lives to to this pursuit. And, but at the same time, it's helpful to just like observe and detach and listen. And then if something's not working, just kind of being in problem solving mode. It's like, oh, well, what can I change to make this better? Rather than like, oh, that sucks and I'm terrible. And, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. downward spiral of negativity bias right where our brains are just drawn toward threats i mean it's what mm-hmm. kept our ancestors alive we've, we've talked talked about this before scanning for threats and avoiding them but then when we do that when we're listening to a playback of a mix which you know rationally doesn't make any sense but it still right. feels, yeah, yeah. feels like we're being judged so some of those questions i don't remember if this was on the, the bonus episode or not but i got this from the bulletproof musician uh the performance psychology class. It's some questions to ask about the process that help combat negativity bias. And they're built into some of those reflection questions. Oh, and those questions, by the way, they are um, in the the forthcoming Infinite Improvisation Handbook. So Mm -hmm. if you sign up for our mailing list at infiniteimprovisation.com, that will come to you as soon as it's ready. It'll come to you for free. Mm -hmm. And so those back to those those questions are to combat the negativity bias and i do this with students all the time they go oh how do your performance go and they're like i came in early in one spot or i had one squeak and then that colors their whole mm-hmm. perception of it and yeah sometimes if something didn't go how you wanted you'll want to correct that but if you're it, it's actually does a disservice to the music when all you remember is the the one negative thing so the questions are um, what is something that went really well and what is something that has improved And what is something that took lots of effort? Mm-hmm. So I've been doing this with my my wife, Kate, has been um, creates a lot of arts and crafts. She knits and does fiber art and stained glass and all this. And if she's worried about a collection of something or getting in her head, yeah, she, she doesn't always love it. But then I'm like, no, I ask these same questions, too, to kind of get to help break 
yeah, breaking out of the, the negativity mm-hmm. bias. And then you start to track. It's like, what's something that, what's going well? What are you, what's took effort and what's improving? Then you're mm-hmm. kind of mapping the progress and not just mapping the, you know, the blemish or what didn't work. Where well, we, and I, go ahead. Just think where, where our attention, where your brain is naturally drawn to if you don't, if you don't direct the focus, if you just let it go somewhere, yeah. sometimes it goes somewhere not helpful, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, and sometimes, too, we can have a lot of um, sort of superficial conversations about a performance or an achievement. Mm-hmm. And not that that's a, like, fundamentally a bad thing or, or whatever, but, like, there's often, like, oh, how did it go? Oh, that's so great. Oh, mm-hmm. you must be so happy. Or, like, oh, your parents are so proud. Wow, it's so amazing. Or, like, whatever, right? You do that voice um, so well. <laughs> or I mean even if it's I mean don't get me wrong like positive feedback is good but even if it's only on the level of like oh how did it go great like it's like that's like such a small slice Mm -hmm. of an experience you know that like we're hopefully trying to have more nuance about but it's just not always the time or place to have that more nuanced discussion right like someone who's just asking you how something went like they don't always like like it's not always the moment where they even like understand the things yeah. you're reflecting upon that you want to improve yeah. so i think like creating that space in our brains mm. i think also helps us like appreciate the positive feedback more because like we have this balance of like having time to re- reflect upon it as well in a way that's like more um like authentic to us maybe or more like not just more authentic to us um that like speaks to a greater range of of our experience and what's important to us mm-hmm. yeah when you get that oh how did the concert go you know it's very nice it's an equivalent of you know how's it going that kind yeah. of question where you're not probably gonna peel back all the layers in that moment maybe, maybe you'll get there but and yeah when we bring other people in that could be another topic for a conversation is about who to when to take feedback and who to take constructive feedback from and mm-hmm. we can get caught up at that something. Whereas up if we post this podcast and then suddenly we take to heart any, you know, negative comment that shows up online and try to someone's trolling us. And then do we reformat the podcast to take in that feedback from the mm. comment section? Well, of course not. That's that's silly. But who's and some people know what they like, but not why they like it. Or they might not be, you know, the right kind of audience for what you're bringing. So it's like who, if you want to bring someone mm-hmm. into that reflection experience and get the get constructive and helpful feedback from people, who who are the right folks to take it from? Because I would argue it's not, you don't want to, you, mm-hmm. you want to curate who you take, who you take feedback from. Mm-hmm. If a random person after a show goes, oh, can I give you a piece of, you know, can I give you a piece of advice? You're like, no, thanks. Not that I'm in denial, but I, you know, you're, you're not on my list of people who I need your feedback right now and it might not might not be helpful yeah and I mean like when we think of even just our own perspective and our Mm -hmm. own feedback depending on what lens we're looking at something Mm -hmm. we can have really different opinions of it right depending on kind of the angle we're looking at it or even like the just the day or how we're feeling Mm -hmm. but also like like just the way in which we're considering it and likewise everyone that we talk to Mm -hmm. is going to have like a variability in like how they might consider something depending on like kind of the angle they're thinking about it in the day. But then like beyond that, like not everyone loves the same flavor of ice cream, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like, like you're not going to be everyone's favorite flavor of ice cream. So it's like, like, like ice cream, right? Like if you take the same ice cream sample, 
which will be melted by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should have picked a different food. Yeah. But you know what I mean? To like a bunch of different people, like you're going to get different opinions on it. And it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that like the ice cream you've chosen is like, like it is all those things to all those different people. Mm-hmm. Some people like it. Some people don't like some people will have, you know, say certain things about it. But um, like, <laughs> you know, you got to decide what you, what you think about the ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, knowing who that audience is, it is probably not going to be for everyone. What you're creating isn't going to be like the tide laundry detergent of music. Same thing with with our, you know, using the podcast as an example. If we played this for someone who only likes listening to sports talk on podcasts, like, you know, they're probably not going to like this podcast. But that, you know, how meaningful is that feedback? It's not the right, you know, it's it's not the audience that we're choosing for it. Um, and I still encourage. Um, like I still I think it's still valuable to get feedback from people who's <laughs> what I was gonna say is from people who don't know what they're talking about and whose opinions you don't value yeah <laughs> as highly as others but just because like like sometimes you're gonna get feedback like that right like someone's mm-hmm. going to comment on pistachio ice cream who like doesn't really has never mm-hmm. tasted it before and they don't particularly like it whereas you're making pistachio ice cream for the pistachio ice cream lovers you mm-hmm. know <laughs> and um yeah. Like, I don't know, I I um, I think for me, like sometimes it's very frustrating and discouraging at the time to get that kind of feedback, mm-hmm. but I find it helps me take all feedback in, like mm-hmm. uh, with a, a grain of salt or with a greater sense of perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can learn something from that, but also being, like, being able to curate it, or you might take it all in if you're reading a bunch of co- you know comments section is a good mm. <laughs> place to mention it. So some people know that they take it to heart. I know some people that they might read it and really take everything personally, and they know that, in which case it can be good to just block it out and only seek out the feedback that's going to be most helpful. But otherwise, yeah, you can take in all of it, but you have to know, have the discernment to know what's like, oh, that's a that is a good constructive idea that we can that we can take. Um, to mm-hmm. make our work better in the future versus what's noise. Yeah, totally. And it's like, you know, things that it's kind of like things that are challenging versus things that in in a good mm-hmm. way and, and maybe stretching or strengthening versus things yeah. that just wear you down. Totally. But in the ref- reflection side, I also like thinking about reflecting on other models too. Not you don't have to get not just getting too stuck in, you know, listening and observing your own things, but having these really clear models of music or art that's like really deeply resonates with you and then have the have the reflection to feel like, why is it, what is it specifically? Like, what is it the elements of this? Is it the lyrics? Is it the timbre? Is it the, the quality? Is it the, the technical execution? Or like, what is it specifically about something that's really meaningful mm. and what even reflecting on those elements and I even have like notebooks filled with that, just even some different musical mm. elements. Like here's some different r- rhythmic components of music that really gel with me. And then here's timbre and form and instrumentate, like all these things that have been sort of the ske- sketches for other music I'm working on. So really ref- reflecting on it. It's like, what's really meaningful and why? Or how about something else that you know, the craft is really amazing, but it's not your thing. It just doesn't d- doesn't do it for you. Like why you reflect on what what is it about it that, that is meaningful for you and what is not and from your own body of work of, of stuff that you've done I've reflected to have recorded certain things that are still meaningful to me to listen to and other things that may have gotten whatever a better review but I listen back and you know it doesn't hmm. do as much for me so 
that that can be that can be quite insightful again for the strategy or the direction. It's like, well, what what am I doing next? And the, those kind of questions of knowing what the models are and and where you're headed. Mm-hmm. That can yeah, be really enlightening. Noticing, like, as you're saying, like the push pull, and um, and I think that like whether that's like old pieces of work, but like I think that push pull kind of or like it can be. I think it can be a why, like why is it that I like this or I don't like this, you know? But it can also just be like, oh, I'll just notice like the moments within the piece that I feel like I want Mm -hmm. more, like I'm drawn to it, it's sticky or it's yummy or like I want that versus like moments that I feel like I'm pulling away or like I'm Mm. not as interested or or I'm feeling like I'm shutting down or like, you know, you can think of it in other ways instead of like a push-pull. You could think of... um, well, I mean, there may be things that already suggest like tension or resolution, mm-hmm. but like kind of other other um, opposites as well. Um, but it, it, both the whys, but also the like the whys too. <laughs> you know, I'm a fan mm-hmm. of thinking like, of, of like teasing it out, but kind of also just like sort of noticing and like increasing the amount of noticing mm-hmm. um, as well without conclusions. <laughs> yeah, and that, that that you mentioned that that reminds me of it was a composition exercise and I heard the second hand so any of you folks you can let me know if I get this wrong I believe it came from the late Lee Hilo who's a composition professor at the school I went to and he he asked one of the first things you do in lessons or in a class was find like your favorite moment in a piece of music like just that transcendent moment where you talk about everything lines up and then you go back and deeply analyze the thirty seconds leading up to that. Like mm-hmm. in every possible way that you can do some musical analysis and figure out what is it about that that will, how does it set mm. up that that moment mm. that you were talking about that tension and release? Is it those those moments that are amazing? Is it that moment itself, or is it the context or how it's mm. how how it leads how it leads into that? And yeah, and I know at a time I think it was about yeah that time when I was at music school time just working a lot on the craft of the music and worried about virtuosity and people who were you know playing. High. Mm higher and faster. Anyway, then it was time I was starting to kind of go back and listening to pop music and songwriters, and I found that there was certain music or certain, like, timbres of people's voice right here, and it just sucked me all the way in. I was like, wow, mm. I'm just, like, addicted to some of these sounds. And I'm like, well, there's nothing that... And I remember things like, well, this isn't virtuosic or impressive or the best, but it's just super amazing. Like, why, why is it? Why am I drawn drawn to this? Like what? What is the aesthetic or the other values of this music, which is different from what we've been in mm-hmm. music school nerdland? Just um, diving into all the the mechanics and practicing and mm-hmm. and all of that. But that's yeah, that type of reflection can be yeah, super super helpful in the in the journey. Cool. Yeah, and that that um like reflection i'm just thinking about the the relationship between memory and reflection mm. and um well one just the point that reflecting helps us remember things better mm-hmm. so even if you're not gaining like insight from reflection it's still making whatever you did more i was gonna say more worthwhile but what i mean by that is it's taking whatever you did and kind of strengthening the neural pathways and the the networks in your mind so that like the time you spent doing that you're kind of getting a more lasting effect from and so even if the reflection isn't like 
oh, I'm having all these deep insights, like, or like I realized something, mm-hmm. or like it's, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily even have to be something novel. Um, mm-hmm. Reflection kind of as review, so to speak, like mm. without consciously adding on a lot of things is like also is valuable um, and will, I think, help your subconscious work at those things too. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, just just on the level that like we will remember the experience more, particularly when we reflect kind of very shortly afterwards and then and then again after that. Yeah, then it's more likely to get into long-term storage, the experience, yeah. rather than a fleeting moment that that um just goes away yeah oh and and so and so uh, and regarding that is that like kind of that's another variable we can adjust with Mm. um with like how we're reflecting is like reflecting about upon something only with our memory of it right Mm -hmm. versus like like reflecting and then listening back to something you haven't heard and then reflecting again and also Mm. even within um the listening process like how much we listen to and how much mm-hmm. we can actually remember and keep in our minds and mm-hmm. respond to like in a conversation right like if i say one sentence and then ask you to respond you remember what i said in a certain way and you remember mm-hmm. the probably if it's a short enough sentence you might remember almost mm-hmm. word for word what i said right yeah. and really be able to keep everything in the front of your mind mm-hmm. that i was talking about and even keep my energy and intonation and kind of the feeling i had kind of really present with you Whereas if I do what I'm doing right now and say mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things that has like a, you know, there's a lot going on and there's like kind of like a, I'm, I'm going through different, different kind of energies within it mm-hmm. even, right? Um, that's a lot more to reflect upon. Like, and you're going to have a different memory of what I'm doing yeah. and a different, a different kind of reflect, reflective um, experience that way. And that would be hard. That would be a hard few paragraphs to repeat back. But thankfully, we're, we're recording, so yeah. we can well, get the, often, then we're going to get a transcript of it, so we can uh, then we can go back and yeah. <laughs> then, then we can truly reflect. Yeah. But, but I often like mention this to students of mine. I'll be like, "Don't play for five minutes and then listen back and try to analyze it. Like, mm-hmm. try like thirty seconds or five mm-hmm. seconds. Like, like start with really short." clips so that Mm. like you can actually remember what you did and like really listen to what you did Mm. because if you sit through five minutes of yourself and then you're trying to reflect on that that's a huge amount of information yeah absolutely something i was thinking about too is how do you think that this the the practice of reflection fits into the the category of these are how episodes you know how do we do this how do we improvise how do you see that the the reflection piece fits into fits into the how Mm. that makes I think this is important actually because I was I was mentioning before like that reflection like time helps some reflection mm-hmm. which is I guess that's like before I was saying oh reflect quickly and like there is something to be said for that too mm-hmm. um, but that like having some time having some diffuse thinking sleeping mm-hmm. um, like all of those things are helpful and I think that we don't always build reflection into our, well, I, mean, I hope we build reflection into our creative processes, mm-hmm. but like I'm thinking like there's the creative project be, process, but even like the project cycle or like mm-hmm. a class, right? Like often, I mean, again, like some classes do have time for reflection, right? Like let's talk about it, let's reflect upon it, or even like time to like write some notes, but like some experiences don't build in reflective moments or don't build in 
time for that or you know it's and so on and so forth so i think mm-hmm. like ha- we can we can choose to reflect mm-hmm. and we can i think we're reflecting anyways mm-hmm. <laughs> but we can choose to reflect and we can create opportunities for reflection by design and i think it's important to remember that it, it's a part of it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and i think well, as I mentioned before, it does help with that, you know, to take the moment and to figure out the strategy, the next project or what, you know, answer the question, what, what do I do next? That reflection helps and and also in the process of trying to level up the skills that are important to to improve over time. The thing that just came to mind, I think listening back was one of my, I think it was my first studio session after I, you know, finished school and I was back teaching was starting to work professionally in Seattle and I was recording a demo for a friend's band that I was playing it and I hadn't really been in a recording studio before and I hadn't been listening back I hadn't been doing a lot of reflection as kind of that av- avoidance avoiding listening back as, as I was talking about and then you know we're in the studio and I, I remember the the engineer is like um oh, whoa, whoa. did he say something is there a reason the saxophone sounds so throaty I was like, what's that supposed to mean? And we're like, listen, I listened back to it. And I was just like, so embarrassed. I like, hated everything about how it sounded. You know, I had like a little, you know, mini or full on, you know, artistic crisis. Oh, I sound, why am I sounding like this? And it, but it did lead the way to like starting to record myself. Like, why do I sound, once I got out of feeling sorry for myself, I just didn't like how I was playing, what I was playing. And I was not very kind to myself about it. But hmm. eventually it led to, heck, even like an equipment overhaul, I ended up like, changing all my equipment, dumping my mouthpiece, new saxophone. I mean, I just changed my whole equipment and this and concept of sound and practicing recording. And then by the time I got to actually record my first record, I'd done enough of it. I knew how to shape my sound in a way that I would like how it recorded. And I listened back to the first mix of my first record even. I was like, okay, that's the sound. And I was like happy with how it sounded, but it took that process of, I kind of have to know what's there and not be in denial about it, reflect. And it was like kind of some painful growth, but I could have just, you know, blinders and just kept charging ahead without taking that more thoughtful reflective moment to like learn how to be better at in this case recording saxophone in a little room totally totally like we're asking ourselves to notice Mm -hmm. things so that we can change them Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then sometimes we're so mad that we discover Mm -hmm. things that we want to change you know and it's like you know, sometimes I have an outfit in mind and I put it on and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh no, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it did not come together the way I imagined, right? And I look in the mirror and I like, I need to make some changes. And sometimes I have to go through that process several times, but I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that like those clothes should be burned. Although mm-hmm. maybe sometimes yeah. like there it's time to give those, some things away, but it, it might just be like, that I'm, I'm, I need to adjust other things, right? Or sometimes like, it, I'm just too hot. I just don't mm-hmm. like how it feels. It just, I didn't account for that. I didn't notice that before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I don't have to do a lot to my hair and I usually won't anyways, but sometimes it's like really humid and things are different, mm-hmm. right? And I, it's like, just cause you look in the mirror and you wanna change something mm-hmm. doesn't mean that like it's the mirror's fault or your mm-hmm. fault or that like all is, you know, lost. It just means that like, you're getting ready mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're you're preparing and like you're mm-hmm. making adjustments for because that's that, that's part of it that's what you want to do yeah and and back to episode one of experimentation you have a hypothesis yeah. about what outfit's gonna work and then you gather some data and you're like maybe not and, totally yeah and, and i, then I you was make the change very closely related to experimentation um because mm. like that that reflection so 
so has to be a part of it and i find also like it's not always the reflection doesn't always like come when you're expecting it or like help Mm -hmm. you in the ways you're expecting like sometimes we get some surprises through it Mm -hmm. and whether that's like as you were saying sometimes something that's like really difficult like down the line can Mm -hmm. um can turn out to be like part of uh you know a process that's that's really useful or um yeah sometimes Mm -hmm. we just use the information in in different ways yeah uh one other guess kind of concept i wanted to get to as we wrapped up is sort of this this paradox or is in the book by george leonard mastery so the 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 master's paradox it's kind of this this is paradox between there being goals and also Mm -hmm. no goals Mm -hmm. partly one part of the process when we're kind of separating creating versus um analyzing Mm. that i remember this this is it's a principle from this, this program, like a work uh, community, like music workshop program called the Music for People. And one of their principles, what it's called is, you know, all sounds exist in the universe with all others. You know, there are no mm. mistakes. You make a sound and it is what it is. And we're accepting mm. of that and observing it. And it's just a beautiful way of going about and creating things. Like we can embrace, embrace that. And a lot of what we're doing, it's the act of creating and being with other people. And that just is what it is we're observing it kind of that there's Mm -hmm. not a goal it's just the doing it but -hmm. on the same time we have those things where we do have projects we want to that we want to complete or we're trying to level up our skills that there's that we do have at the same time we do have goals and benchmarks and things that we're striving for that we're growing that we're not stagnating Mm. and one way that he talks about this in the book the, the quote is the trick here is to walk the fine line between endless goalless practice and those alluring goals that appear along the way. But the journey is what counts, mm. which is interesting. So kind of being able to hold both of those, it's, you mm-hmm. know, I, I want to get better at this skill. I want to finish this project, desire to, you know, whatever other kind of goals or things you're striving for. And sometimes you don't reach them in the certain way, and that's all part of the journey. But then also kind of accepting all the, all the sounds, and, you know, everything that's, that's part of the process. Mm. The, the the misfires or mistake or is it even a is it even a mistake but i kind of like that model of holding both of those because they're both important because if i get into the mode where i'm very highly goal oriented even if i achieve the goal at a certain point i realize it can still feel kind of empty mm. if the the process isn't part of it as well mm. but yeah. i but yeah i can also feel that i can get st- you know if i'm just in in the moment and being Mm. you know open to everything then i can tend to be more complacent or yeah i'm not sure it's a it's a but i I just like just accepting that it's a paradox and sometimes i have to lean into one side more than the other yeah and like it's related to like the increasing self-awareness changing self-awareness looking Mm. at self-awareness like the at yourself um and your practice from different angles and like Mm -hmm. kind of increasing your capacity for that and then also the like turning off the self monitor. Mm. And it's like, well, which do I do? Do I pay attention to myself even more so that I can notice these things, so that I can reflect on these things, so mm. I play more slowly and I am more aware and more mindful? Or do I, you know, try to go the direction of, um, mm. of, of having less self monitor and not being critical mm. and like these other things? And it, it's, as you're saying, it's a bit of both <laughs> and yeah. in different situations for different reasons. Yeah. 
um, or or some people refer like like I've seen before it, it talked about that like creativity is like finding the balance between absolute narcissism and crippling self doubt and then <laughs> if you strike yeah. a line like perfectly down the middle then you can make things <laughs> yeah that's fun. I, I was uh, and I've heard similar things references like uh, internet bandwidth like your upload and download like you can't be I can't be uploading all of these videos and downloading movies at the same time. My internet connection won't handle it. So you've got some upload and download. So I've, I may have referenced this before in terms of when you're creating, even we're having a conversation or making music together, you're listening and being receptive to what you're hearing and then also thinking about what you're going to say or what you're going to play next. So you're uploading, you're uploading material and mm-hmm. you're downloading it. You can't do all of it at once. So where do you take... Mm, yeah. You know, wh- wh- how much do you f- do you focus on? And, and oftentimes, I'm finding I need to be downloading a lot more than I'm uploading through the through the saxophone and getting myself more in that. But if I'm totally listening and being very receptive and only listening, then if I go too far that way and I'm not in the moment of what that I I need, then I stop con- contributing. I become passive. So it's a uh, it's an interesting. Yeah, interesting. Way. It's related to flow states too. Mm-hmm. Like anything that's likely pr- to produce a flow state, if mm-hmm. you miss the flow state, it's going to be frustrating or boring, right? Yeah. Like, like if you. So it's like things that have the potential to to put us in like incredible flow states also have the potential to be so difficult that they're incredibly frustrating and mm-hmm. discouraging, right? Um, so. The, it's like it, it, it's a trade-off <laughs> you know we, we're we're not ever going to constantly be in a flow state for the rest of our lives um but like we can work with mm-hmm. the conditions that take us in and out of that yeah and that has its own cycle too that's that's an upcoming episode we should do on, on flow states but i've heard yeah somewhere it, it totally splits the market between boredom and anxiety and if you're like mm-hmm. exactly in the middle then you're in a flow state or being in the in the zone and supremely focused and but let's. Uh, I think we'll leave that for leave that for another day. For another another day, another episode. <laughs> yeah. And any anything else you were dying to say on this that we didn't get to before we wrap it up? Well, I'll have to reflect on it yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and maybe maybe our listeners have some reflections of their own to to share about this. Yeah. So yeah, connect connect with us at infiniteimprovisation.com slash podcast. And you can join our online community. You can also shoot us an email. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And we're up on YouTube as well. So you can watch us have these conversations if you like. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Infinite Improvisation. Until next time. Bye.